If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 121 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on November 21st, 2021. Well, 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 Sunday has arrived yet again. And I am freaking freezing. (laughs) I'm in my room right now. The window's closed. It was open before, but it's closed now. And I am freaking cold. I'm surprised my fingernails aren't icicles. I can't believe how freaking cold it is. Well, despite that, I hope you had yourself a nice Sunday or just a nice day. Whenever it is you're listening to this this week. And that you had a nice week, my friends. And this past week, despite how freaking cold it is out... It was another hot week. (laughs) It was another hot one, wasn't it? The qualifying offers deadline passed. The deadline to set the 40-man roster before the Rule 5 draft passed. And we'll yap plenty about what the Yankees did as their first moves of the offseason, first real notable moves, I would say, considering it's our main topic today. We'll talk about it in news and then hear your thoughts later on in the social media segment. Uh, Let's see. The the owners' meeting took place. Hal spoke to the media and said a lot of what Cashman says, basically, the usual. <laughs> Some signings happened elsewhere, like Barrios, seven-year extension with the Jays. Noah Syndergaard, leaving New York. And I know he got a bit more money than the qualifying offer that he had on the table, but, I mean, especially after what he said about loving New York and gladly accepting any qualifying offer that would be on the table. I mean, who the hell saw that one coming? And also Verlander, the one we spoke about when we were talking about pitching. The one that had many Yankee fans thinking, fantasizing even, about having him and Cole at the top of the rotation, one and two. He did end up signing during the week after all, like we said he could, but he went back to Houston. Now again, we obviously spoke about him last week and the possibility of him coming to the Yankees and... I'm not crushed by any means that he's not. There is the risk coming off Tommy John's surgery and the age going on 39 years old. We know this. But I'm not going to pretend I'm not a little ticked off. (laughs) I said last week that I'd still be happy to get him. I'm not going to go back on that. It's Justin freaking Verlander after all. But he's going back to Houston. One year, $25 million contract with an option for a second year. A player option. Now, that, my friends, is a lot of money. (laughs) But I guess, especially after Syndergaard, although he's younger, also coming off Tommy John's surgery, got over $20 million, 21 to be exact. I guess it's to be expected for someone of Verlander's name and caliber to get even more, even though he's older. And reports said yesterday that the Yankees offered him $25 million as well. They offered him the $25 million but just for a year. There wasn't a second-year option, no opt-out or anything like that, so obviously he's going to go with the option for a second year with a total of $50 million. Duh. He's going to go for more money and more years. But with the age and the risk, guys, two years and the money per as well, it's a risk. That's a lot of money. It was never in doubt that it was a risk, but especially in his category, the age, the risk coming off Tommy John, it's a lot of money. And I even spoke about that, what lines I wouldn't really cross. I mentioned that last week. It's a lot of money. Not to say the Yankees can't afford it. Of course they can, but you know what I mean. And we know there are bigger problems than starting pitching on this team anyway. We established that of all the problems that existed with the 2021 Yankees, that believe it or not, contrary to a lot of prior seasons, the starting pitching was probably the least of them. So we know there are bigger problems to address. As nice as it would be to add starting pitching, you can never have too much good pitching. 
There are also things to address, as we know. Other things that were far bigger issues this past season, and maybe even seasons prior to that, that were never solved. And I'm not just saying that because he didn't sign here. That's my honest take on it. I'm not being sour about it. I always give my honest takes on here. No bias. None of that crap. (laughs) That's never been the way it's been on this show. It's always been honest takes, no bias. But anyway, so Verlander, Syndergaard, signed. Barrios, extended. And someone, I've got to address this, even if it's just for a second, but someone also had Twitter in chaos this past week. Some may know who I'm talking about. I won't name names, but he had Twitter in shambles, this guy. Had him right in the palm of his hand over saying that Matt Olson would be a Yankee in a matter of hours in the early afternoon on Tuesday. We spoke all about Matt Olson last week on here, obviously, when we were talking about first base. First base was the main topic last week. And I don't think you need me to tell you that even if it could still happen down the road, obviously, it did not end up happening ultimately in a matter of hours on Tuesday afternoon. So yeah, it was just, as you can hear, it was a wild week. (laughs) It really was. People have got to stop believing everything they read, man. They've really got to stop doing that. There are two people I trust, and I said this on Twitter too. When it comes to baseball reporting, there are two people that I trust on the whole planet. Maybe another one or two. But the main two are Jeff Passan and Jack Curry. That's it. (laughs) I don't believe anyone else. Most of the time I'll believe Ken Rosenthal, and other times I'll definitely believe the beat reporter for the Yankees. He's great too, I'll admit. Brian Hoke. I love Brian. But it it just about ends there. (laughs) So, a little advice from me, if you're going to take any advice from me ever. Stop believing everything you read on the internet. Just please stop. (laughs) It's for your own good. No matter how badly you want something to come true, and like I said, I would love Olsen on this team as much as the next guy, but no matter how badly you want something to be true, be more attentive, and don't just openly believe everything you read. Alright? Just a little advice from your friendly neighborhood yapper. But despite all that I threw at you about this past week, other than Luis Rojas officially being named the third base coach now, and obviously the 40-man roster moves, which we're going to talk all about today, nothing of official note really actually happened with the Yanks this past week, guys. (laughs) So honestly, other than the chaos I threw at you just before at the rumors and the other signings and everything, and a run-through of some of the news like Rojas... We've mainly just got our main topic of discussion for today in the social media segment, which is the same thing I'll be finishing off news with, since, again, it was the biggest subject for the Yankees this past week, and I'll segue right into getting all of your thoughts in the social media segment after news, after I give my own opinions on them, which are, again, the first notable moves this offseason by the Yankees with the 40-man roster deadline. So for this week, we're going to take a brief hiatus from dissecting each position one by one. We talked shortstop, catcher, first base, and now we'll take a break for this week and yap about today's main topic, being the 40-man roster deadline decisions. And then next week, if things are especially slower, definitely, we'll go back to talking positions. Maybe we'll tackle center field. I mentioned center field briefly last week, I think, but next week we'll go more in on it. But first, quick reminder, visit Ball 9's website, ball9.com, and follow Ball 9 across all social medias at Ball 9. And don't forget to especially follow me, yours truly, on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page, at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Scudero, and on Instagram, at Mike Scuds. 97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms. It's available on two, guys. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening there. Leave a review on all the others. You know the deal. Just keep on showing the love like you already do every single week. All right. Time for news and my opinions on all the 40-man roster deadline decisions. So let us yap on this cold November 21st. And again, despite how cold it is, the other signings that took place, the intensified Olsen rumors, thanks to our Twitter friend, (laughs) and all the news about Rojas becoming the third base coach, and all the 40-man roster deadline moves by the Yankees, 
one can also say it was a pretty hot week in many other ways. So let us discuss starting on Monday when Jeff Passan went on Talking Baseball and more or less basically said that Verlander could be a Yankee and soon. So like I said before, that got people crazy. (laughs) Even more so than last week when we were already talking about the possibility of Verlander possibly being a Yankee someday and possibly this past week. But of course, we all know what his ultimate fate would be. He would return to the Astros. And I already know what some of you might be saying. You might be saying, Mike, I thought you said that Jeff Passan was one of the very few that you trusted before. Well, first of all, he didn't guarantee that Verlander would sign with the Yankees. He said that he could. It was something that was believed in the industry, and it just didn't happen. So it was a belief that was out there. Nothing was guaranteed, and it just didn't happen. It happens. It's the people who guarantee that something is about to happen, and then it doesn't happen, that I take issue with. (laughs) But anyways, so that was the Verlander stuff. That was real hot. Of course, followed by the Olsen chaos the next day on Tuesday, even though nothing ended up coming of that. And then, like I mentioned before, the Yanks also officially hired Luis Rojas as the third base coach. And it'll turn out that he will also actually be the outfield coach. So that wasn't discussed when we were talking about Luis Rojas from before. So that's a nice little addition there. He'll be the third base coach and the outfield coach. So like I said last week, when this move seemed all but complete, at least the move to be the third base coach, there was no word about him being the outfield coach as well. But regardless, last week when we spoke about this, when the move was all but complete, I want to repeat the same thing that I said last week. Welcome aboard to Luis Rojas. And I know a lot of people are paranoid because of how poor of a job he did as the Mets manager. Third base coach and outfield coach, that's not a manager, guys. (laughs) It is quite different, so... I'm really not worried about it, and like I said last week, and I still stick to it, I think this could be mutually beneficial for both sides. But of course, in time, we will see how possibly right or wrong I am about that. But people seem to be optimistic about it, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And despite the CBA still expiring soon, the first day of December, I still expect the Yankees to fill the rest of the coaching vacancies in the near future as well. It was also announced that they met with Freddie Freeman's people. And by the way, speaking of Freddie Freeman and the Yankees meeting with his people, in case anyone was wondering, the reason I didn't associate Freeman with first base possibilities on last week's episode when we were discussing first base, it wasn't because I don't want him or anything. Guys, I'd be throwing a street parade if they got him. That's not it at all. Don't don't misunderstand me. I just don't think it's realistic. I really just don't see him leaving Atlanta. Especially after they just won now too, finally. There are just certain players that you can't see leaving certain teams that they've spent a lot of years with. And he's one of them, with the Braves. Despite how rare that is in most players nowadays, a trait like that. Because baseball is a business. And, well, clearly no one else thought him to be realistic either, because despite being given the choice of other on that poll that I had last week, I'm pretty sure I didn't see one mention of him in the replies that I got to and didn't get to. But despite that, yeah, that's that's why I didn't include him. Not because I don't think he's good, or that I don't think he'd be a good fit here. Freddie Freeman is freaking incredible. <laughs> you don't think I know that? But hey, I mean, when it comes to talking to his people, it can't hurt to at least meet with them, right? So I don't fault them for that. Tuesday, as anticipated, along with the Matt Olson chaos... I've said I expect even more moves to pick up before December, before the CBA expires, and it turned out that this happened to be the day that all of those other signings happened. I mentioned them before. Barrios, back with the Jays, a seven-year extension. He's going to be a pest in that division. <laughs> He's going to be tough to deal with in the AL East a lot of the time. And also, this is when Syndergaard went to Anaheim, and not that these things have anything to do with the Yankees, really, but... It just further proves my point, and a lot of other people's points, that things are definitely going to start picking up, continuing to pick up, and happening before December. At least that's what's expected. Like I also said, the owners' meetings happened as well. Hal mainly spoke about how they're not afraid of free agency, that they're looking at all available options. Like I said, they're just like programmed machines just saying the same things all the time. (laughs) 
Brian Cashman spoke to the media again, too, while he was doing a charity event for youth homelessness late Thursday night before Friday's 40-man roster and Rule 5 eligible deadline, regurgitating his usual stuff, too, and also adding that Brett Gardner does, in fact, intend to play again in 2022. So, I guess we're getting Brett back again. So at some point, they're going to negotiate a new contract, I suppose, since both options on his contract were declined, if you remember, so they would have to negotiate a whole new one. And I've said it a million times how I feel about Brett Gardner and the situation surrounding Brett Gardner, and I'm tired of repeating myself about it. So go listen back to episode 117 if you missed my Gardner takes. It was either 117 or 118. I believe it was 117. But yeah. It would seem that Brett will be back in 2022, probably as one of the backup outfielders, just a bench option, which I know plenty of people are up in arms about his age, and he's been around long enough, and there are better options out there, or even within the organization with someone like Florial, maybe. And some people's reservations about it are completely fair. And if you know my opinions on it, they're totally fair, too. But... So long as it's not at a crazy capacity, which is largely up to the team's circumstances too, like injuries and whatnot, I know. But so long as it's not at a crazy capacity, and of course not for a lot of money, because if it is a lot of money, then it could possibly take away from another potential area of need for the team, and you definitely don't want that. But again, of course, as long as it's not at a crazy capacity and not for a lot of money, then I'm fine with it, I guess. I don't have a problem with Gardner. I really don't. If it were up to me, and it's not, but if it were, you know I've said I, I think it's his time. I really do. That was part of my opinion on the whole thing. I really do think it's his time. And I think it'd be best for both sides. But that's not my choice. It's his, and also the Yankees for bringing him back. But... And speaking of, you know, saying that it was nice to have you and let him go somewhere else, I mean, you just gotta know that he's not going anywhere else. I mean, I could always end up being wrong about that, but could you really picture Brett Gardner after all the years of loyalty? Do you really see him putting on another uniform? I personally don't. So as far as I'm concerned, since he intends to play in 2022 and I just cannot see him in another uniform, just I, I can't see him doing that. It's only a matter of time, I guess, until he's back. And it might take until the end of the offseason because they usually address Brett Gardner later down the line each winter, but as far as I'm concerned, it's only a matter of time until he's back. Cashman also said that they may hire three hitting coaches and another pitching coach on top of Matt Blake. Hmm. More perspectives, I guess. Not really against that. Uh, He spoke about possibly talking extensions with Judge at some point, maybe. I still think that that doesn't happen until next winter, personally, when he's a free agent, but I could be wrong. He further emphasized how, although they're looking at multiple options and areas of need, that they're really prioritizing shortstop, as they should. We've spoken all about that. And as I said at this point, it still seems like the bigger signings like Correa and Seager might take longer, while others like Semyon, maybe might get done sooner, but we'll see. And as I've also said plenty of times today already, nothing more really on a potential Olsen trade since our Twitter friend had most of the fan base by the cojones saying that a trade was imminent and then nothing happened. And around the time that was going on, in the beginning of the week there, that's really when everything was getting real hot again rumor-wise, but since then, outside of the 40-man roster officially being set, The, at times, exhausting rumors of this past week went pretty quiet after that. The Olsen stuff died down, Verlander signed, and of course, like, Barrios got extended, and Noah left New York, and everything just sort of went quiet after that. But like I said, a hot week, filled with lots of chaos, but then, it went quiet. It's just bizarre. That December 1st deadline, I tell you, it's got everyone going nuts. (laughs) But the 40-man roster, the deadline on Friday to set it, protect some Rule 5 guys too, that passed, and the announcement on what the Yankees did, 
came trickling in shortly after the deadline at 6 o'clock Eastern. And the first thing that was announced was that the Yankees traded with the Phillies instead of just DFAing, so they did get some stuff back, which is always better than dropping for nothing. If you can pull it off, it's better to get something back instead of dropping for nothing at all, especially given one of the guys in here in this trade. But the Yankees traded catcher Donnie Sands, who was just added to the Major League roster about a week or two ago, shortly after he was mentioned on this show just before that, ironically, if you remember. (laughs) And this is the one I'm happy about, the one I spoke about before, Nick Nelson. Now, obviously, I don't wish bad on the guy himself. I always separate the person from the athlete. Now, obviously, there are many instances in the past where the athlete and the person are both crap. But regardless, I always separate the person from the athlete. And as far as the athlete in this case, I could not be happier to see the Nick Nelson experiment finally come to an end. I will never get past the fact that they not only held on to this freaking guy over someone like Garrett Whitlock, and the Yankees of course take blame for this too, but they also let him pitch in plenty of unearned high leverage moments. It was just unbelievable to me. It was like you couldn't get away from the guy. And I had to watch him go out there and listen to everyone talk about how great his arm is, how hard he throws. Oh yeah, that means so much to me as I watch him go out there and spike his fastball and change up and slider right into the dirt. And no matter how many times you send him down and bring him back up to work on his stuff, it's still the same old thing. Yeah, that means a lot to me. (sighs) So as you can tell, I am thrilled that that experiment has come to an end. And when it comes to Donnie Sands, those couple of people who said they'd like to see him in the future, well, at least for now, it'll have to be with the Phillies. <laughs> but best of luck to him, and Nick Nelson joins him as well. And and best of luck to Nelson too, the person. Again, I don't wish badly on the person. I separate from the person and the athlete. But I'm so glad, athlete-wise, that this that it's just done with. Finally, this toxic relationship is done. But the person, Nick Nelson, of course, and I truly mean this, I wish him all the luck in the world, and I wish Donnie Sands luck as well. And and as far as Nick Nelson, I hope the Phillies were able to figure him out. But as far as it is right now, the Phillies add a flawed arm to an already massively flawed bullpen. And the Yanks got a couple of 21-year-old minor league infield prospects back in Joel Valdez and TJ Rumfield. But hey... Like I said, it's not absolutely nothing like it would be after just DFAing. And they were able to get something back with Nelson involved in a deal, so it's fine as far as I'm concerned. Main things with this announcement are we finally don't have to see Nelson in a Yankee uniform anymore, and that there were two 40-man roster spots cleared. Two spots on the 40-man open for Rule 5 prospects to be added to in order to be protected from being taken at the draft for nothing. And then three more were open. Now, this is the big part that everybody was talking about, despite being happy that Nick Nelson is no longer a Yankee. Three more spots opened after they DFA'd Rugnet Odor, Clint Frazier, and Tyler Wade. So everyone, including myself in the past, even a bit in the recent past too, who throughout time begged for Wade to be DFA'd, well, here it is. Tyler Wade, DFA'd. And get this, after he finally did some good things, of course, and actually decently fit his role with the team this past year when they needed him to. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) And I'm really not upset about it, obviously, but it's not false to say that he fit his role decently at times this year for the first time basically ever. And I'm also surprised... More so than anything, I'm just surprised that they DFA'd him over someone like Andujar. I really am. Not that I don't like Andujar, but admittedly, one thing aside from just his speed, which was a massive factor, that Wade was known for, another aspect that he was known for was his ability to play almost every single position on the field. Defensive versatility off the bench, which the Yankees usually highly value. So knowing the way that they think, it's just puzzling to me, or the way that they claim to have thought. 
And and Duhar, when you look at him, well, he virtually has no position, no spot really with the team at any capacity. So I guess they're either looking to him to be used as trade value down the road, or they value his bat more because he can hit. And he did have one more minor league option. I do know that. And maybe that's what ended up being the deciding factor. But that's that's really all I can think of. But just knowing how the Yankees think, it just surprised me a little bit. Just knowing what they usually value. And seeing Andujar survive the DFAing and Wade getting DFA'd. Despite Andujar having one more minor league option and Wade not having any. That just surprised me, that's all. Frazier, obviously, I mean, Clint has lost an ungodly, ungodly amount of value between bad defense, inconsistent hitting throughout the years, really only massively succeeding in the shortened season of 2020, the last few years, and mainly, mainly his inability to stay healthy especially with severe injuries, like a potentially career-threatening one like the latest, all the problems with his head, the dizziness, they thought he had vertigo at some point, and then you just never saw him again. The concussion issues, the neck issues, the head issues, it's alarming. So I, I, I wish him luck, and it sucks that it had to come down to getting nothing for him instead of, I mean, I guess in hindsight, trading for him years ago for more, but I mean, what are you going to do? That's what hindsight does. You say, oh, if they only traded him back then and you were able to get so much more, you could have gotten this guy or that guy. It it happens. It happens. He was so highly ranked and so highly believed in. You know, sometimes it just happens. It's just potential not being realized. Or just unfortunate things happening leading to the potential not being realized. But you know what? He also got his shot in 2021, especially after how he did in 2020. They gave him his shot. And it just didn't work out. It just didn't. So as much as it sucks, or how much hindsight you want to use, just best of luck to him, wherever he ends up. And Rognetto Dorr, I mean, what can I say? He hit his home runs as expected. He costed nothing. And I'm going to miss him basically being the team's mascot. (laughs) I mean, anytime something great happened, he was the first one to spring off the bench. Every mound meeting he went there, And a lot of the time, he was the only one to go there. When Gio tumbled into the Rays' dugout the last day of the season, he was the first one to go right in and check on him. I mean, he's just a passionate guy. That's someone you like to have around. But if you look at it, of course, he doesn't really have a place left anymore. And it's really not that surprising that they ended up letting him go. Now they DFA'd him. So, those are the things about him. He's a great teammate. A lot of fun to have around. Hit his home runs. Basically the team's mascot. (laughs) I'll always look back on this year, him being one of the things this year that I could look back on and smile, so I wish him luck as well. I wish them all luck, as always. So after all that, trading Nelson and Sands and DFAing Wade, Frazier, and Odor, that's five spots open. And to fill them, number 13 prospect Everson Pereira was picked as one. Oswaldo Cabrera, number 16 prospect, was another, and that's one that a lot of people could definitely see fulfilling a bench role with the Yankees this coming season. That would be awesome. The Yankees really seem to like this kid, and I've heard a lot of good things about him. So, And of course, Everson Pereira was expected as well, so I think the Yankees did a good job as far as the prospects they chose to protect. Like I said, especially Oswaldo Cabrera and the expectations that he could have a role on the Yankees bench this coming season. And for those who tend to be a bit upset, I guess, that the Yankees DFA'd Wade, well, I got some news for you. He is in a lot of ways like Wade, but in my opinion, better. He's quick. You'll get very good defensive versatility on the infield especially. He's younger than Wade. And also, unlike Wade... I think in a lot of ways in 2021, we saw the ceiling of what Wade's offensive production could be, but Cabrera's offensive production in the minor leagues has been very good so far, so you have a chance, it's not guaranteed because nothing with prospects is ever guaranteed, but you have a very good chance of even having better offensive production with Cabrera than you did with Wade. And in my opinion, that's the main thing that makes him better. Not to mention that he's also a switch hitter, by the way. 
And in this past season, if anyone's curious, he had a 272 average, 330 on base percentage, 533 slugging, and an 863 OPS in AA and AAA combined. He had a lot more time in AA, but those numbers are still impressive. And he also hit a combined 29 home runs and 89 RBIs. Also stole 21 bases, speaking of the speed. And I know I'm really talking Oswaldo Cabrera up to you right now, I know that. But I really don't do that for many minor leaguers. I do that for ones who I really think could make an impact on the Yankees someday, maybe even as soon as this season, like some people have spoken about Cabrera possibly doing. And I do think there's a lot of promise there. I really do think this kid is talented. He and Pereira someday. I think they could both end up being really solid professional players someday. Especially Cabrera, since he seems to be ready to make a more immediate impact. Pereira's only 20 years old, and he's only played an A-ball so far. So again, for those who are upset that the Yankees DFA'd Wade, there are other options in the minor leagues who are very similar to that of Wade's playing style, and maybe even will give you more in certain areas where Wade didn't give you much, for example, offensively in Cabrera's case. But again, I really do think that he and Pereira were two really good picks to add to the 40-man roster and protect. And the other three were Steven Ridings, who we saw a glimpse of and loved in 2021, so I am way on board for that as well. Ron Matanacchio. That's how I believe that's how you pronounce that name. And looking at it as someone who speaks a decent amount of Italian, that's how it should be pronounced if it's not. So, Ron Matanacchio. Going to say with the roll of the R and everything. Got to have that R. Maranacchio. But in all seriousness, if that's not the way that he and his family choose to pronounce it, then I am sorry. But <laughs> that's the pronunciation I'm going with right now. And listen to his numbers really quick in AA and AAA. 2-1 and one with a 2.04 ERA. He struck out 105 guys in 66 innings pitched. He's got a fastball that sits around the high 90s and a really good changeup and slider. I really like what I hear about this kid, so I'm glad they added him to the 40-man as well. And last but not least, starting pitcher J.P. Sears, who went 10-2 with a 3.72 ERA in AA and AAA. Hear really good stuff about him as well. All these kids have real good upside to them. So those are the five that they added, and I'm totally fine with all of them. Again, Oswaldo Cabrera, definitely ready to make more of an immediate impact to the Major League roster, at least, than Everson Pereira is. Again, I gave you Cabrera's numbers before, but outside of those numbers, again, you're going to get good versatility at second base and shortstop, especially in the infield. You're going to get speed. You have the fact that he's younger than Wade was at the age of 22 now, going on 23, as opposed to Wade's 26. And again, the only reason that I'm comparing the two of them is to show other people that there are others who can do what Wade did who were down in the minor leagues still waiting to come up, fighting their way up to the major league roster. There are others who can do what Wade did, and even more. And that's where I also mentioned that, unlike Wade a lot of the time, you could get some solid offensive production from Cabrera. Everson Pereira, he's only 20. He's got a bit of a ways to go, but just some numbers on him, I kind of ran past that, but... He went 20 for 57 in A ball, 303 average, 398 on base, and an OPS over 1,000, 1,084. 398 on base. And that was in 188 at bats in A ball. Again, 20 for 57 in 188 at bats. So those are your numbers for basically everybody. And then Steven Ridings, I mean, we saw. We saw what he's capable of in 2021, despite ending the season with a lot of injury troubles, which is concerning. But as far as his stuff, I mean, there's no question there. The kid's got unbelievable potential. So again, honestly, I'm I'm really happy with who the Yankees chose to add to the 40-man roster in place of Nelson, Sands, Odor, Wade, and Frazier. So I think they did well, and... Other than my surprise about Andujar, I'm totally fine with these transactions for the 40 men. Nick Nelson, gone. Frazier, gone. After definitely holding on to him for far too long to the point where now you got nothing for him, and a lot of people will tell you that as well. But again, that's just a product of hindsight. Odor, gone. And Wade, gone. And yeah, plenty of these are overdue, or should have been handled in the past. We could talk about that until we're blue in the face. But... Like I've been saying, as a product of hindsight, what's done is done, and this is what it all led to. And again, best of luck to all of them. 
That is, if they do in fact end up being traded, claimed on waivers, or released in a few days. Otherwise, they'll be outrighted to the AAA roster and still come back. They'll just be down in the minors. And if any of them were to return, I'd say Wade probably would, but then again, his market could be pretty good. Speedy option off the bench who could play more or less every position on the entire field besides catcher or pitcher, more or less. (laughs) And especially could pinch run, steal a lot of bases, and a lot of people might want that option on the bench. But we'll see what happens going forward. As we know, especially before the deadline on December 1st, but also even beyond that, obviously, also depending on how long those freaking CBA negotiations go for, there's still plenty to happen. Plenty of work to be done for the rest of the offseason. And even the final fates of these guys DFA'd are not decided yet. I assume there will be news on them in the coming days and weeks. And when their fates are revealed as to whether they get traded, claimed on waivers, or released, or if they're outrighted back to AAA, I will certainly let you know right away. But otherwise, that's all the news from this past week, guys. Again, the main thing being the 40-man roster deadline moves, and that's the main topic for today, and along with the updates on it, of course, those are also my thoughts, and like I said earlier in the show, as a perfect segue into our social media segment for today, also having to do with this major topic of the 40-man roster moves that the Yankees did, let's go right into the social media segment, starting with Twitter as always. Kind of hard to make a poll out of a subject like this, so for this week, I gave you just an open-ended question on Twitter and Instagram having to do with this very same subject, so let's go to Twitter and hear your thoughts on the question, how do you feel about the Yankees' 40-man roster moves on Friday? And as I always do, although I'm not going to get to all of you because there are just too many of you, I'll try to read out as many as I possibly can. Starting on Twitter, let's start with at FrankFlorida07. And Frank says, Happy for Cabrera making the 40 men. Hopefully when they trade him, he goes to a team who could use a switch-hitting utility guy. I mean, there's no word about them trading Oswaldo Cabrera. I mean, only that they added him to the roster. They could end up trading him. They could. I mean, they could end up trading anybody. Any team can do that. But, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I think that he could end up having a role on the bench. Maybe even this season, like I said before. I don't... I don't see it being an automatic that they trade him. I think he'd be a really good replacement for someone like Wade on the bench for a utility infielder who could give you a lot offensively. He's younger, and you're also going to get speed, good utility on that infield. So, yeah, I don't don't necessarily think they'll trade him, at least not as of now. They could down the road. Who knows? But I think he'd be a good bench player for now. But we'll see what they do. Up next is Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and Rebecca says, I'm surprised they let Wade go, as he was a solid utility guy. Frazier and Odor, not as surprised as they didn't have clear places on the team. Too bad Frazier couldn't get healthy. I sure hope Cashman has some great moves planned. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you could only hope. But yeah, with Wade, it's not so much being upset. I'm not, I'm not really upset about it, but it's just surprise. Like you said, solid utility guy, and knowing how much the Yankees have claimed to value that in the past, it's just, it's surprising to me that he, that he didn't survive the DFAing and someone like Andujar did. Just kind of weird, given the facts that I gave before, but Frazier and Odor, yeah, they were, they were to be expected, especially Clint, given all of his struggles staying healthy, the inconsistent hitting, the terrible defense, I said it all before. And Odor is as fun as it was to have him, you probably got all you could out of him, and... He was fun to have around, and now there really isn't much of a place for him. So, and with Frazier, yeah, it's too bad that he couldn't be healthy. It really is. It stinks. Some things just don't work out. At Jeremy Arroyo says, the Tyler Wade move came seven months late. Well, if it happened seven months ago, then you would have never seen him do the best that he's ever done in 2021. <laughs> because 2021, I think you saw... The best that you're going to get out of Tyler Wade, the best offensive production, the really good defensive versatility, even the stolen bases. He stole a bunch of bases this year, 17 to be exact. So you got all you could out of him, and you probably got the ceiling of his offensive production, so he really didn't do anything before that. So if you got rid of him, if you traded him or DFA'd him, what have you, before 2021, you would have never even seen that. (laughs) So at least you got the most that you could out of him in 2021, and now that's it. It's over. 
But 2021 was definitely the best season for him in which he fit into his role. And especially in times of COVID and injuries, he was important at times. So, even someone who was as hard on Wade as I was can acknowledge that fact. Even though I'm not upset that he's gone, I acknowledge that in 2021, he was important at times, and you basically got the ceiling of his production. I mean, I think. It could be even better going forward with someone else, but 2021 was definitely the best of the time in Tyler Wade's career with the Yankees, definitely. You could still simply acknowledge fact, all while not being the biggest fan of the guy and acknowledging that others could do the same as him, or maybe even more, in that role. So... Next, we have at Yankee Ken, and they say the only surprising move was Tyler Wade. Frazier getting DFA just shows how much his value has cratered. I'm also surprised that Andujar is still around. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I mean, someone like Andujar sticking around, but Wade not, especially given how the Yankees seem to value certain guys and the things they do choose to value. Usually defensive versatility, that's a big one with the Yankees, but also just in the game of baseball today overall. So that was the surprise part, but yeah. Frazier getting DFA'd, I mean, that was to be expected. Odor too, no matter how fun it was to have him around. So, yeah. A lot of my similar feelings there. At NYY2022 WS Champs says, I think the Yankees made the right moves, cutting three players with no real trade value. Yeah, I think the one that could have the most value in the market right now is probably Tyler Wade because of his defensive versatility and his speed. I could see a team out there maybe wanting that for their bench. But other than that, maybe someone will pick up Odor. That could be if they need a home run guy because that's basically the main thing you're going to get from him is home runs. (laughs) And Clint Frazier, unfortunately, yeah, it's going to be tough for him. That's going to be tough for Frazier given how the first five years or so of his career have played out, with the exception of 2020, the shortened season. So, And his health is a big concern. Those problems that he has health-wise, those are, those are concerning. It's a shame it didn't work out as planned with how excited they were for him back when they traded for him with the Indians in 2016. Next, we have Spencer at Musician DMD, and he says, I support the moves, but I don't exalt in them being made. We got all we could from Odor, Clint has serious medical issues. I genuinely wish him well. Very tough to see Wade DFA'd. He played his heart out and improved the more he played. Like him or not, he's been an integral part of this team. His diversity in the field and speed on the bases exemplified his value as a role player. If his departure gets us an upgrade, okay. But I hate to see it happen. Baseball is sometimes like nature. It can be cruel. I wish him luck. Yeah, everything you said about Odor and Frazier, yeah, that's that's all true. And I, yeah, I made the same points about Wade. Listen, 2021 was the best we've seen of him in his role, definitely. And especially because of COVID or injuries or what have you, he proved to be important this year. Even though I'm still hard on him, not the biggest fan of him, and I'm not upset to see him go, those are just facts. You can't deny that. <laughs> he was an important part of the team, and you give him credit where credit's due. I've always been someone like that. You give credit where credit is due. Always. And the points you made about Wade, it's true. But like I said, whether it be from the outside or even within with someone like Oswaldo Cabrera, like I was talking all about before, there are other guys who could do what Wade did and maybe even in a lot of ways better, especially offensively, for instance. So I think they could find a way to upgrade that role that Wade had on the bench. At Bronx Bang Bang says, Tough business. Frazier and Odor would not have cracked this roster come the end of camp. Right moves, but sad to see them both go for different reasons. Wade is an asset, and in an offseason where the stated goal is to get more athletic, DFAing the most athletic guy on the roster is strange. Well, I don't know the most athletic guy on the roster, but he's definitely the fastest, or was the fastest. So, yeah, I, I guess I see what you're saying there, and that, and that is a point of concern for a lot of people, that the Yankees have lost a great deal of speed between LoCastro, Allen, and Wade all being gone. So, I understand that concern, but they could be replaced, whether it be by a guy like Cabrera or someone else, or multiple other guys that they still plan on getting in the offseason, perhaps. But I, I do understand that point of concern, that you're they got nothing other than basically like big sluggers now. You got really no one that's fast. But the offseason is still young. So, while I understand the concern there, they could be replaced, and and we'll see if they are. 
But yeah, there's more than one way to define athletic or just athleticism in general. So I don't know about the most athletic, but listen, I get the concern. I understand it. I mean, speed, it's important. At Brian underscore TGP says, I love that they're moving on from Frazier and Wade. It's a sign that they're turning a corner in how they build their team rather than trying the same old thing. Oh, please don't say turning a corner. The PTSD is coming in. (laughs) But, yeah, listen, I get it. I get it. These are names that hadn't contributed much in the past at all. In a lot of moments, Wade, basically not at all, really, before 2021. And Frazier, basically only in 2020, that the Yankees have just brought back over and over and over. And to some people, that might be a sign of needed change that they're no longer around. That is if they don't end up being outright at the AAA and sticking around in the organization. But you get what I mean. Just needed change. And I could definitely understand that line of thinking. But it's okay to acknowledge that Wade did do some good things in 2021. He did. No matter how crazy the guy drove me and still drove me up until the end at times, he he did some good things that should be acknowledged. At Don Sick Rio 1, <laughs> they say it gave us some hope of change because before them, prospects would be gone and Wade would be the starting shortstop. I mean, it's not a guarantee that they would have been gone. <laughs> like, if they didn't protect Pereira and Cabrera, I mean, it's not a guarantee that any of those guys are gone. And even that the other Rule 5 guys who weren't protected will be gone. It's not a guarantee as of yet. Someone might not take them. And I don't think you would have ever seen Wade as the starting shortstop. I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> so, at Spudman40 says, Great moves. I'm a big Clint and Wade fan but they had to go for the greater good. They can all still get traded. Odor, no money owed, and Wade have value to get something back. Clint's unknown medical stuff looks like he might need to select assignment and get back in the minors. Yeah, there could be. I mean, nobody might see value in Clint, and he might end up being outrighted anyway. That's true. And like I said before, any of these guys could still be traded, claimed off waivers, anything. But yeah, for the greater good, especially with Clint and, you know, Odor, because he doesn't really have a place left, even though he was fun to have around. Yeah, and Wade too, because they could find another option that could do similar things or maybe even better things off the bench than Wade did. They can. Looking outside the organization, maybe you sign even someone like a Jonathan VR. I don't know, just a, a really good utility guy that could still do work with the bat, which Wade often did not do, especially outside 2021. And there are other options. Or you call up Cabrera and have him be the bench piece. Just sort of quickly thinking about it now, there are other options. If we talk about it more in depth, you know, I'll have a whole discussion. But they can find other options. But I agree. For the greater good in a lot of the cases, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Rob at Laker 477 is next. And he says, I'm good with the moves. My only concern is the loss of Wade's speed on the bases. Yeah, like I said before, a lot of people have concerns about the loss of speed between him, LoCastro, Allen, a few of the guys they lost. Yeah, that's a concern. But they could find speed in other places. I understand the concern, though. I do. At Bressy Nate says, looking forward to seeing Ridings and Maracano. Are you talking about Marinacchio? Yeah, if, if that's true, then yeah. I mean, they're... Writings we already saw a bit of, and Marinacchio, I just gave you his numbers a bit before. I really hope that's how you say his name. I was saying Marinacchio before, but I hope either of those two is how you say it. But, yeah. I mean, his numbers are great, and Writings, we all know that if he stays healthy, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be really good to see. Next, we have at one Logan underscore place. And they say, so far this offseason, I give a D-. minus. I mean, considering the offseason is only like a month old and not much overall has happened yet, and a lot of the big signings or trades are yet to even happen, how do you even give a grade this soon? (laughs) That's kind of (laughs) unfair. Be patient, my guy. Be patient. Patience, my friend. At MoLV79, they say some of it was long overdue. Yeah. That's what a lot of people say. Hindsight. Hindsight. (laughs) Next, we have at Zach Wood Designs, and Zach says, I feel like speed and base running is now an issue. 
After letting LeCastro and Wade go, I see nothing but big sluggers that strike out frequently and aren't fast enough to steal bases. Do you feel like they will address this problem or not? Yeah, like I said, that's a concern that someone might have. LeCastro, Wade, and even someone you might have forgotten to mention, Greg Allen. He showed speed on the bases as well. These are guys that they lost. But these guys weren't also regular players. Allen was only up for a little while. LeCastro was only around for a little while before he tore his ACL. And Wade didn't necessarily play every day, but he certainly saw the most playing time that he ever saw in his career in 2021. And he, and he did the most that he ever did. So, I understand that, and like I said, a lot of people may, may feel like, oh, there's nothing but big, slow home run hitters now, and that's true in some areas. But like I said, I think they could find replacements for this. I think they could find a replacement utility guy. I think they could find speedy guys. There's still work left to do in the offseason. It's young yet. But I understand those concerns. I hear them. My advice is to just be patient. There are options like Cabrera. There are other options like Jonathan VR on the outside. If you pick up a Starling Marte for center field, by the way, which you guys all know that I am very much interested in doing, then you could have a huge element of speed there. Starling Marte stole 47 bases this past season. 47! (laughs) 22 with the Marlins, and then after he was traded to Oakland, he stole 25 with them. So if you get him for center field, you have the speed aspect there. There's still plenty to do. So we'll see. They can easily replace these things. They can replace them. It's a matter of whether they will or won't. All right, I think I've read like anywhere from like 15 to 20 right now, so I'll do like five more, I guess. Let's keep on going. At Navy MILB, they say they were needed to move forward. Time to rid dead weight and IL regulars. Well, in some cases, that was that. You know, with Odor not really having a place, I guess he'd be considered dead weight at that point, even though he was nice to have around. (laughs) Clint Frazier, definitely an IL regular. And definitely before 2021, some people I think would definitely consider Tyler Wade to be dead weight. But 2021, you got to acknowledge what I said before. You have to at times, you know. Up next is Laura underscore Icemont. And Laura says, I was surprised they let Wade go, especially after he actually had a decent season. Now the Yankees really need to address shortstop. I'm not surprised to see Frazier and Odor go since there was no room for them. Yeah, there really wasn't any room, and Frazier had what was going on with him, of course. And yeah, you acknowledge Wade, and that's okay to acknowledge him, even if you're not a fan of the guy. Because it's the truth. And addressing shortstop, yeah, you gotta hope they do what needs to be done with that, because uh, you even heard Cashman say that even though they're addressing other areas of need and looking into other areas and everything like that, their main priority is shortstop, as it should be. So let's just hope they follow through on their word. At B2B, Seth says... I get it, but there are more moves to make. Yeah, they're mostly understandable. I think they're basically totally understandable, except for being a little surprised over Wade, over someone like Anduhar maybe. But yeah, plenty of offseason to go, plenty more moves to happen, and I mean, hopefully plenty more moves to happen, and there's still plenty more time to go, as I said before. At MD Nelly, my friend Mike Nelson, Mike says, they screwed up not moving Frazier when he had any value. Odor was a nice team guy that they had for basically free last year. There are a hundred Tyler Wades in the minors right now. None of these moves shocked me one bit, and none of those players can't be replaced by what's in the farm. Yeah, that's I basically agree with all that, Mike. I really, really do. I mean, Frazier, hindsight. Hindsight, my friend. And for those of you who were calling it back then, good for you. Then it's not hindsight for you. You were calling it for a while now. Then you're just saying it again now. Good for you. But in a lot of people's cases, especially after 2020, when a lot of people are like, give him a shot, give him a shot. And they did in 2021. But for a lot of people, and especially the Yankees, hindsight. And yeah, Odor's a nice team guy. I said that. And Tyler Wade, yeah. Even though some people might be surprised, even myself included. Like I said, I don't believe it's anything that they can't replace whether it be in the minors or elsewhere. So I agree, Mike. I do agree with that. At MPF828 says, did what had to be done. Yeah, that's how a lot of people feel. At original UYF1950 says, it's still a work in progress and will change with additions this winter. Yeah, they will. There's still plenty of off-season to go, like I said, but just wondering people's thoughts on this right now. 
At Bobinski says, keeping Duhar indicates to me that they still don't prioritize defense. Yeah, I mean, listen, they've always claimed to love defensive versatility, which is why I was surprised that someone like Wade was DFA'd over someone like Duhar. And it's really just a big theme in baseball overall nowadays. Guys who can play a bunch of different positions and especially play them well. All right, two more, and then we'll read a couple over on Instagram and then end today. At Jesse Petunia says, I feel like Andujar is a trade chip for when the NL goes with the DH. That's interesting. I mean, it's not a guarantee that they will yet, but it's it's very much expected that the DH will be adopted in the National League after the CBA negotiations. But yeah, I mentioned that before as a possibility as to why Andujar could have been kept overweight, at least as of right now. I mean, could it be used as trade bait later? I mean, I don't really know how much trade bait because, you know, everybody loves to have said in the past, oh, uh, Clint and and Duhar for this guy. <laughs> I don't know, as a joke or serious, mostly as a joke, I guess, even though it ran real stale real fast. But I don't really know for how much you'd get back for him unless he's just involved in a huge package and just you dump him off. But, I mean, maybe he could be more valuable as a DH because then you'd use basically the only strength of his game being hitting because then Duhar can hit. I never denied that. But he's also almost never healthy. <laughs> he's a lot of trouble staying healthy, too, so there's that. And that's also why his value has gone so low. Along with the fact that he just basically has no position and can't play defense. But, could be. I mentioned that as a possibility to just throw out there before, but it could be. Who knows? Alright, last up here on Twitter, I'll go with at BruceDeer2, saying, Very poor. Giving up on the young players, but that is the Yankee way and is why the other teams are getting better. I asked him which young players he was referring to because I was very confused. He said Wade and Frazier. You give up on them and now they'll go elsewhere and win. I I don't really agree with that assessment. (laughs) Because like I said, in the five years that Frazier has played, he's really only had one successful season, being the 60-game season. And he's established that he can't play the field. His hitting is inconsistent, dangerously inconsistent. And he can't stay healthy, so that's not called giving up to me. That's called a needed change. <laughs> and wait, I can understand more because I said the speed and versatility, and you can acknowledge that he did some good things in 2021. But yeah, most of that assessment I don't I don't tend to agree with. But hey, that's okay. Not everybody's going to agree on everything, right? So that is all for Twitter, guys. Thank you all so much for the interactions. As always, I'm very sorry to those I couldn't get to, but hey, listen... It's the usual thing. (laughs) There are just too many of you. Keep on commenting. I promise I'll get to you someday. (laughs) I promise. One of these weeks, I'll get to you. But let's just read a couple over on Instagram, replying to the same question, of course, and then we'll put a bow on this very beautiful episode 121. Again, the question is, how do you feel about the Yankees' 40-man roster moves on Friday? We'll just read a couple of couple of replies over here on Instagram. First up, we have my good friend Tina at MountainGal456 saying, I don't have a real problem with the moves. I wish Clint Frazier well. He seems to have some serious health issues. Odor was fun, but time to move on. I was surprised to hear about Wade. He gave it his all and was always ready to play. Hopefully he will do well elsewhere. Yeah, it's plenty fair enough, Tina. You know, Clint, it was unfortunate with him. It just, it didn't work out. Serious health issues, absolutely. Odor was fun, and Wade was a bit of a surprise. Not necessarily upsetting, but yeah, it was a, it was a surprise. At least to me it was. And there were times that he, he was important to the team. 2021, we saw some good things, especially in times of need. So, yeah, he did give it his all. Absolutely fair. And then we'll do the final two, as always. First up, my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. Vic says... I was surprised that they DFA'd Wade now when he actually had a decent season. I think they did the right thing with Clint. I just wish that they had done something sooner when he had more value so he could have gotten something for him. Thank God they finally traded Nelson. Yeah, finally someone mentions Nelson. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, thank God. (laughs) And when it comes to Clint, yeah, I mean, hindsight, like I said before, it's hindsight. As much as the situation sucks, it's just hindsight. And Wade was a bit surprising. It was. It was a bit surprising. Finally happens after the season where he, at last, did some decent things in his role. <laughs> and lastly, here on Instagram, as always, save the best for last, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And she says, I'm feeling pretty good about the moves. Hope they keep them coming. 
Big changes need to be made all around. We've passed the point where we should hold on to too many players solely for the reason of in case of this or in case of that. Let's keep cleaning. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. I mean, you do need some of those players around. That's why you have a bench. But yeah, I, I get what you're trying to say. The Yankees had a plethora of guys like that, and it's it's not good to have too much weight like that on the team. So yeah, could be seen as a part of cleaning and needed change. So I understand, Mom. Totally get it. But that is all for the social media segment today, guys. My mother, as always, was the final one. And like always, the discussion this week... This week being the 40-man roster moves that the Yankees did prior to the 40-man roster deadline. And as always, the discussion was awesome. So I thank each and every one of you for participating in that. And I also thank each and every one of you for listening today. Because guess what? That is all, my friends, for episode 121 today. Remember to follow me on all social medias. Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is MikeScuds97. And also, don't forget, guys, subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on this video if you're listening on YouTube, and leave a review on all the other platforms. Show your love. And if you have the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed as well. Episodes 34 up to episode 121 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. Once again, as always, my friends, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, November 28th, the end of Thanksgiving weekend when I come at you with episode 122 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, as always, you know the drill. Hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and have a happy and safe Thanksgiving weekend, my friends. Take care. Take care.